cross lovers. <laughs> who can aim it? Who can aim it? Who can aim it? The opening lines of Shakespeare, of uh, Romeo and Juliet. We had to memorize that in high school. The intro. Welcome to Tuesday at the Table. We are going to get into God's Word tonight. Welcome everybody out there in Facebook Live land. We're going to study God's Word and have a good time at doing it. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about the first message of the Bible. So I'm going to see if everybody can turn to where they think it's going to be. And before we get into it, we're going to pray. Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, right now we just come before you. Lord, first and foremost, we just lay our lives down before your feet. Lord, just strip everything from us, Lord, that's not of you. Lord, just guide us. Lord, just keep us in your walk, Lord. Lord, I ask that you open every eye, ear, and heart with your message. Lord, set me aside. Let you, I, I, Lord, you speak through me. Let it all be about what uh, you want said, not me. Let it all be about what you want taught, not about what I want, Lord. Lord, we ask this right now in your son's precious and beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. The first message of the Bible, anybody guess where we're at? Anybody guess? Genesis, how right? Uh, you would think a pastor would know that. Genesis, and we're going to be in Genesis 1. Matter of fact, the next couple, I mean, this week and next week, we'll be in it. Uh, we'll be in Genesis chapter 1, okay? But the first night, is, we're going to talk about the first message of the Bible. 
It's important. A lot of people go like, well, that's all that, you know, how many people just get all upset when they will, why are you always studying the Old Testament? I'm like, yeah, it was the Old Testament, but guess what? It's as important as the New Testament. It teaches still today. It's all good. It's all good. So we're going to talk about the whole, the next couple of weeks, the whole chapter of Genesis 1 is pretty important. And this first message of the Bible is very important. It sets the premise of everything. Completely. Genesis 1, 1 and 2 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and earth. The earth was without form and void. And the darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In the beginning... God created. We talk time. Time did not start till God said, let there be light. God did not, time did not begin till he started everything. In the beginning was God. Okay? In the beginning, we go to John. You know, y'all know that's one of my favorite passages. In the beginning was the word, the word was God, and the word was with God. In the beginning, it wasn't like boom and, you know, so many people teach this uh, uh, Big Bang Theory that, I'm sorry, there wasn't like bang and then there was God. No, there was God and then, yes, there was a bang. You know what that bang was? He said, let there be and boom. Yes, I think things formed in the, out in the solar system and everything. I think things formed like they did at the acceleration of God's voice telling it to be so. Sci- you know, science, honestly, a, a majority of the time backs God up. They like to leave stuff out. One of my biggest irks is when they do carbon dating. Carbon dating is the biggest farce in the world because carbon dating, when they do true carbon dating without adding the variable in, it usually will have us within between six and 7,000 years of existence here on this planet. The variable is how deep in, into, does anybody know what the variable is? You know what? It's how deep, what layer of earth you find it in. Oh, it was found in this. Let's add two million years to it. Wait a minute. The carbon, the actual carbon dating tells you you're backing God up, but you don't want it to back God up, so you're going to add a couple million years because it's in the layer of dirt. That just that just irks me. But it also makes me smile and go, it, 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 you know, and um, even... Someone, and I have an introductory story, and it's kind of funny. One of uh, the greatest physicists we had in early days was Sir Isaac Newton, right? You know, Sir Isaac Newton, though, was a believer. Sir Isaac Newton, in his study, he had developed a model. It was geared and everything of the solar system, of what they knew the solar system was at that time. And it revolved, and it had the sun in the center, and it had all the planets revolving, and because Sir Isaac Newton was a very brilliant man, but he believed, and he came, and he had a friend who was agnostic. He came in, and he, this friend came in and looked at him, 
And I was like, man, that is in this. But I'm giving you Reader's Digest version. Man, that is one of the greatest models I've ever seen. How long did it take you to build it? And he said, I didn't. And he said, how did all the, you had to, he said, no, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, these balls and spheres and these lines and the gears that move my, move the whole model around just appeared out of nowhere. I heard a bang one day. It's that type of, you know, and he said his friend got a real big smile on his face and had a realization. So many people want to discredit God and creation, especially this day and time. But we cannot. You know, another story I love to hear is about the young man in college and how the, the professor was is basically an atheist, agnostic atheist, and was going on about how can God this, that, that. And the, the young man looks at him and says, and he says, can you touch God? Can you feel God? And he says, sir, do you, do you even have a brain? And the professor goes, yes, and started spouting off all his credentials. And he says, but sir, can you feel your brain? Can you touch your brain? And the professor got kind of quiet. I like that one. But even scripture talks about how people will not believe. In Romans 1, 22 and 25, it says, professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the images made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So many people want to worship the creation. So many people. So many people. You know, I believe in taking care of what God's given us and everything, but this climate change thing and this, all this, I'm sorry, you're worshiping a creation, not who created it. The first sentence in the chapter of this book sets forth the truth that God as the creator of the world and that all it contains in contradiction to a false view held by sinful man. God created this book. Man, sinful man, man is out to completely change the first message of the Bible. They have been at it for years. They have been at it way before modern science. They have tried to discredit God and his creation. And again, so many people would rather, that would be like this. Me bowing down to iPhone. Oh, iPhone knows everything iPhone can do everything. That don't make no sense. That don't make no sense. What we need to do is thank God for the creation and try to keep it up better for him. He created this, this earth, this sustained earth, 
And as we, honestly, I do believe we need to take better care of it. We do. Because he gave us something so beautiful. Where else in this atmosphere, in the, I mean, in this solar system, would you find something as beautiful as the creation that he made of earth? So he could put man, so he could have fellowship. You think of what the garden was like? That's awesome. That made Country Boy happy. I mean, there was probably animals running uh, every, I mean, you got to think. Adam named every single one of them. He'd have to have created a few extra deer, you know, with me, but, you know, every source of vegetation was out there. And the only warning, it wasn't like, you know, he didn't have to give warning of don't eat this mushroom, don't touch this poison ivy. Notice the only warning he gave. What was the only warning? Don't eat of the fruit of the tree. Everything else within the garden was for our picking. And we had to mess it up. We had to mess it up. That's another message. And I'm not going to get into that. And it's not blaming you ladies or blaming Eve. I blame the man for it. Because the man received, received the order. See, that shows the order of how things should have been done anyway. As being the head of the priest of the home, it was already set forth then. Adam received the order, do not eat of the tree. And he should have made sure that his wife knew that order from God and kept it up. So don't think that I, a lot of people go try to blame the ladies. Sorry, I'm not going to blame y'all. I'm going to blame them. I'm going to blame Adam because it's Adam's fault for not being the priest of his home and the leader of his home like he should have been even though I will call Miss Vanessa my rebellious rib every once in a while because she, <laughs> she, is, she is my rebellious rib, and I thank the Lord for her. But God is the sovereign creator. We see that in Genesis 1, in the beginning. The very first word of the Bible, in the beginning, created that God created the heavens and earth. Teach the absolute beginning of all things, space, time, energy, matter. God was sitting there and he was like he created it. It was at his hand. It was at his thought. A little thing about computers, you know, and our brains. The things that we can process compared to a computer at a time computers have not, they're getting pretty close but they have not matched yet. But for the things to have happened and for the creation of the universe in a Big Bang type of situation, for I don't think he, so many people say God just went, Phew. there was, I, no, I, our God does not just go, uh, and think, he thinks everything perfectly through. And you got to think, he thought the solar system perfectly through. After thousands of years, what planet has crashed into another one? Who has broke loose and went darting toward the sun? It's perfect. He knew and perfected it. At the time, he actually created all the laws of physics. All of this in the beginning, God created 
This ain't even getting into creating man and our, our system of uh, uh, bone structure and cell and everything else. You got to think, he went all the way down to the atom. Not just the cell, he went down to the atom, to the singular, singular atom and created it and developed the electron, developed neutrons and protons, developed all of that, developed the cellular structures. Imagine all of that when he went into start. He started all the, the, the development of the atom and everything when he developed the earth and developed the solar system and created everything around because he had to. Because if not, we, everything would be free radical out of here. And it, like I said, we would have been bouncing off of Jupiter by now. Uh, our... If I dropped my phone, what's going to happen? Fall where? To the ground. Because of gravitational pull. Just imagine what he had to think of. And we're supposed to have a giant processor. Imagine what God's mind and how he processes and can develop things. It's like, poof. <laughs> to me, it's like, whoa. What he can do. We think he can't handle our financial issues? Ooh. <laughs> One of my, you know, he just, he, I, I just, it, it just, just, I think things are great. And, you know, the biggest thing, you know, I talk about all this of the creation, the beginning, and everything. You go all the way back to Einstein's theory of relativity. In the true theory of relativity, he proved God. But he had to, again, like I said, talking about carbon dating, Einstein threw in a variable to disprove the God part. And he did it till his dying day. Now enter in, and I know I can remember Stephen Hawkins. I can't remember the other gentleman's name. Uh, Roger Penrose. They're the, they are the Einsteins of today. Y'all know who Stephen Hawkins is. Stephen Hawkins, uh, but he and Penrose developed the space-time theorem of general relativity, which actually backs up Einstein's theory, this theorem, though, establishes that not only were matter and energy and space applied to a given creation, the production of something that had no existence before, in this initial act of creation, God brought into existence everything. They said there's no way that there could have been the Big Bang without something saying there's going to be a Big Bang. Science will back God up, but they try to hide it. Again, it goes back to that scripture that I read from Romans. They don't, they, they, they don't want, they, they're, they want, they're confounded and they don't want to be proved wrong and they want to go against God. And you see what it all leads to. They think they're so smart and they're not. Consider the test, this testimony in Revelations 4 and 11. 
you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Wait a minute, we just jumped from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, and it's saying the same exact thing. I love how we can take 66 of these books and put them together and there's no contradictions. Oh, yeah, there they are. You look at Mark, Matthew, and Luke. No, you're seeing two different perspectives, but they don't say the different thing. you got to think of these as three different men, Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. One was a doctor. He looked at things like a doctor would. One was an accountant. He liked to count people <laughs> and things that happened. John was just like, whoa. I was 16 then, and this dude rocked my world. And that's how he wrote the book of John. That's why the book of John is my favorite gospel to read, because it's such that, that type of perspective. But we can see, even from Genesis to Revelation, the same thing is, God, you created it, and you're due all the honor and the glory. The very first words of the Bible, we're, we're praising you for doing it. And in the last book of the Bible, we're saying you deserve all honor, glory, and praise for it. The work recorded in chapter 1 of Genesis is, very, is the very outstanding way set forth God's mighty plan, work, and power. He set it forth. He set it forth and said, let there be let there be light. Boom. He formed the sun and he put, put, and he put the whole universe, the, the solar system around the sun and revolves around it. We as Christians, what are we supposed to revolve around? His sun. I know it's different suns, S-U-N and S-O-N. But still, the light of the true light of the world is Jesus, the Son of God. And the, the light that's shined upon our earth is what? It's the sun that we revolve around. We as Christians should take that as a very big example. It's pretty obvious God's going, here, I'm going to set an example for you. I'm going to set a simple example. Watch how you every day will wake up to the sun and you'll go down with the sun and you'll wake up to the sun and you'll cherish every time in the warmth of the sun and how it lights your way. And But then there's the S-O-N, how we're supposed to wake up and be in prayer and worship and walk in him all day. And as he sheds light, not even when the sun goes down, when we're in darkness, he will still be. Did the sun, hey, right now, is the sun out there shining for us? No. The moon ain't even out. It's cloudy. It's cold. It's, it's drizzly rainy. And it's, it's nasty out. But guess what? I can walk in, in life. We can end up in those type of situations where it just is doomy and gloomy all, out, all around us. But guess what? We can still have a light shine for us and that is Jesus and that's an example God set forth the, at the beginning and put the sun and revolved everything around it just to show us that he wants us to revolve around his son our savior our light that should be I mean if people can't realize that it's kind of like whoa that's an example for me and you you don't sit there and walk into things, oh, I couldn't see that. <laughs> Not unless I got my glasses off. <laughs> but 
He, he set forth for us in the heavens and the earth the example. There is not a, there's not a person mentioned, and he's given the example of how we're supposed to follow Jesus. I'm going to give you a little, little nugget. Pastor will understand this. He just dropped that whole thing in me right then. I had never, never thought of it that way. I like when he does stuff like that, especially in a teaching moment like this. That's what us studying is all about. When I, I've gotten so many nuggets, I'll study and I'll think, oh, I got this down, I'm ready, and then right in the middle of it, he drops a nugget. That means he, that, you know what that is? That's a, a kind of a thing going, for me, it's like, I'm still here with you. But I think that's, a, I was a children's pastor, and that would have been one of the greatest children's messages I could have ever gave. And the kids would have went, whoa. And he just decides after so many years of being in ministry and everything to drop that in me. And I'm like, I just think that's cool. Not that I just, that's why God is just, he's good, ain't he? Amen. The psalmist records in Psalms 33, 6, and 9, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all of the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lay up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth, 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 let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The psalmist David wrote that. You think, and he showed his power over his creation so many times. I think he stopped the sun once. I think he parted a sea one time. I think his son spoke in waves. Look, I'm a sailor. Waves just don't go. But he spoke and they did. He spoke and the wind went. He still. Creation, even though man doesn't a lot of times do it, the creation still listens. Again, another example we need to take. Because we are part of the creation. We need to listen also. Amen? The heavens and the earth, the Hebrew phrase translated the heavens and earth, consistently refer to the totality of the physical universe. All the matter and energy, whatever it contains. This statement, God created the heavens and the earth, also included the creation of all spiritual beings as well as the entire physical realm. In general, this beginning was he created everything. Like I was talking, we think about all the things of he created physics, he created chemistry, he created, yes, it took man years to write it down and develop things about it, but he created it in the beginning. He created anatomy, he created uh, uh, animal physiology, he created everything. Just, I mean, just think about it. He created me and you. He created our physiology. But 
let's go and start thinking about every single animal on this earth. Let's jump in the water and start talking about all the fish. And there's some we still discover. One of the coolest things, and again, it goes with me being a sailor, I guess, and everything. And you Air Force folks, y'all can just keep your space. We got areas, uh, because when I go to space, I'm going home. (laughs) But on this earth, we have so many areas that are still untouched. And, you know, a man just got down to the Marianas Trench in a basic, you know, four-foot titanium sphere. Took him forever to get down there. And they're seeing stuff at those depths that they've never seen. Guess what? Our Lord created those, sorry, Lord, ugly-looking fish that are all down there. They, I mean, there's some funky fish, but guess what? They serve a purpose somewhere, somehow, they serve a purpose in the, what they call the ecosystem, which is what the Lord also developed in the beginning. All of science God created. I'm not saying science is bad, because science actually backs it up. Now, there's some theories out there, and if you understand science, there's law and there's theory. Theory is theory. You take it about as far as you can throw it on a lot of this stuff. But law is law, and every bit of physical, physics, the laws of physics, the laws, uh, any of the chemistry laws or anything like that, do not displace God one time. They just add to, whoa, for this to be happening, how, how else could it have been done but by the hand of God? So science is not the enemy of the Christian. Now, some of the scientists are, but science is not because science truly does back our Lord up. Amen? Paul records this in Colossians 1 and 16, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. This is Paul talking about molecular structure. This is Paul talking about the atom. This is Paul talking about uh, uh, the cell. It's everything. He said the visible and the invisible. He wasn't talking about Ghostbusters. He was talking about the things we don't see. That He was talking about the plasma. He was talking about everything that builds your blood. Everything was created. And Paul even writes it here. He said he created the visible and the invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. He's created it all. Over time, all these, everyone thinks, oh, great things about all these nations of the world that are developed and all these borders that are developed. God's hand's been in every single one of them. Now, where man is taking it as rulers is a different story. It's a different story. All things were created through him and for him. God didn't just create stuff willy-nilly, just, oh, I think I'll create a snake. He didn't create that snake until someday come along and be what it did in the garden. He created a snake. You know, at the time, you know, honestly, if you've ever been in the country, you like garter snakes and you like having uh, different types of snakes. I know out in Texas, one of their favorite snakes is that big old blue 
I can't think of the name of it. They're big black snakes, but they'll sit there and eat up a rattlesnake like crazy. People will see them in the middle of the road, they'll stop. And yes, what was that? It's a king snake, but they call it an indigo, an indigo king snake, because they're huge. And people, I've seen video where people in Texas will stop in the road to make sure to get this snake out of the road because they know what it does. Most people think, ah, snakes, how could God have ever created a snake? We go, flies, why? Why did God ever create the fly? Okay. You would have a lot of, I'm sorry, dead animals out there, carcasses stinking the world up if you didn't have the fly. There's a reason for it. Every bit of it. God didn't just do stuff willy-nilly. He did it for himself and for us. He did it for the creation but he also did it to help please the creator himself. That one I haven't answered yet, and I guess that's one of the ones I'll probably ask. <laughs> the mosquito. So we'll have to ask it, but there, I guarantee, there, I'm not going to guarantee, I know there's a reason why. He created. He created. Sometimes I wonder why he created me, because I'm like, well, I'm a jack-up. Why, why are you doing? I'm not nothing. <laughs> So, but the creation is God's majestic handwork. We're going to jump down into verse 2 now. Again, let's read that. It says, The earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In the beginning, you know, he created everything, and then, you know, this planet earth ended up here, and he was... He, he, it was his decision, I'm going to use this planet because I've placed it perfectly a distance from the sun. So when I create, he already had in mind, when I create man and all the animals, it will be warmed, it won't be too hot, it won't be too cold. And I'm going to do, but when he first got to it, it was, it was shapeless. You know, a few weeks ago I preached, I was, when I preached I talked about him having us on the potter's wheel and him taking the clay and forming us and shaping us. He did the same thing with this earth. I think I can just see him, his hand upon the earth and how he would press and the Appalachian mountain range was formed. And how he pressed over here and uh, the Alps were formed. And how when he pressed in, his, his thumbnail went into where the Pacific Ocean is and it dug deep and where the Marianas Trench is today. And he formed and he, you know, eventually he gets to a point and he's going to go, this is good. Nothing was done by mistake, but he, he had to, it started at the point. It wasn't just the earth. He formed it and he was thinking about it the whole time. We sometimes feel like, oh, we got a big God and he ain't got time for me. If he's going to worry about how he did the, uh, the geographic range of Prattville and Millbrook, Alabama, he's going to be worried about how, your highs and lows in your life. If he's going to take the time to form a perfect earth so we can inhabit it, He's worried about you enough that he wants to have communion with you. He came up with a plan with his own son to go die for us so we could be in his presence again and to commune with him. 
There's a plan, and God, it's all perfect. Many times we go, wait a minute, I don't, no way, I, I don't, you know, we, the number one problem we have when we allow God to do something is we try to tell God how we want it done. This is the creator, and in, you know, there's the scripture in Isaiah where it's like, how can you argue with me? Or, let's go to Job. You know, when Job, you know, gets all upset and acts like, I mean, not Job, uh, Jonah. Jonah gets all upset. His little vine that he's been getting cooled dies. The Lord gets all over him and goes, look, you're worried about this stupid vine when I've created all this. Where were you when I did all this? Where were you when I did all this? When I created the earth, the heavens, and everything? And then when I, he, I really, because you know Jonah was out there, in, in, out there pouting because, you know, God saved Nineveh. You know, he, he felt like he was a liar because he went and delivered God's message. Basically, turn of the, his, the message was for the city to repent. Or God was, he wanted the destruction part. He didn't want to repent when he should have been celebrating in what his God can do. And then God provides him shade and gets him all upset. And he goes, oh, no, not shade. My, my vine. Where were you? Why are you getting upset at something I provided you? There's trees all, I mean, I can just imagine, you know, I'm talking modern day. There's trees all over this place you can go sit up under. I've created every one of them. I've created everything. Why are you so stressed out? Why aren't you being jubilant and happy? You're upset because of the death of a vine. Why aren't you jubilant and happy? Because there is the restoration of a whole city. That I had to have you swallowed up with a big old fish for three days just to get you to go to it because you didn't want to do it in the first place. And then when I do a miracle such as this, uh, you want to worry about a dead vine instead of, and be upset at me? Now, that shows I don't have a God mentality all the time because I would have done the cartoon thing, you know, with my finger and went, and I would have took him out. I've been like, what are you doing? You ain't even working. That's Rick. But God just made an example. Amen. I love how he will show that. But again, it shows, hey, I did all of this. Don't sweat the small stuff because I'm in charge anyway. Let's use today's language. This is God's way of saying, I got you. I don't care if you are about to be thrown in jail. I got you. Yes, whatever you decided to do, and again, and I said it last week, Pastor, you hit the nail on the head the other week. We try to blame the devil for so much when we need to look in the mirror and see what we did to put us in that place. But you want to know what? Even though we do some messed up, jacked up stuff, our God still loves us. You may still have to pay the price with the Millbrook Police Department, but God still loves you and he's going to see you through this. Because you can't put yourself 
back to that scripture we talked about last week. You can't put yourself into anything bad enough, messed up enough that he can't see you through. And don't blame him. Don't blame the devil. Start looking at what you did. And the same thing, this is what he was looking at Jonah and he was talking to Jonah about. And he's talking about, well, if I can create all of this, if I can go from a big lump of clay and form it into this earth that you now inhabit and live on, why don't you trust me with your finances, your relationships, with your employer, with your employment? Why don't you trust me in the path I have you on right now? I've been there. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not super saint. I don't rip my shirt open and there's a big S right there. I love my pastor to death. you got to realize, too, he don't rip his shirt open and have a big P on his chest. He's a man called by God who does the best he can because he listens to the man. Amen? We love you, Pastor. I love just lifting you up. Uh, you may not. I love lifting you up. We should do it whenever we can. We lift him up for what he is in our life. We don't also don't lift him up and replace him. But we lift him up as our shepherd. Go back to military. There's a chain of command and he, uh, he is our company commander. He is our CO. God would be our commander-in-chief. But we got to respect that. We have, you know, Pastor Kevin. He's in the chain of command. All of it we have to respect. I don't know why I jumped down that rabbit hole, but I did. But it all goes back. God's created all of this, and we need to understand this. And God's put everything in place for a reason. We just need to trust him. If we could trust him that every time, I want everybody at the count of three to take a deep breath. One. Two, three. I didn't see no one in here fall over because you just inhaled a bunch of carbon monoxide. You trust him enough to take every one of your breaths that he has developed the system that will, all these trees are going to take all the carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide and they're going to strip it and produce oxygen for us you know, through all that system. God created that. And you trust every time you take a breath, there's going to be O2 going down your lungs. Why can't we trust him with things that were actual? I mean, that's very important, but tangible. That's very, very important, but tangible. Things that we think on, because that's an involuntary act, every breath you take, unless you've done run a mile or worked in a room that's 140 degrees for four hours, and you're sitting there panting like a dog. That was me today. I was, it's hot. I was trusting every time that was oxygen going down, and I was hoping for it to be cold because I was hot. But we need to understand that the creation is his handiwork. 
in Job 38 and 1 through 7, again, this is the story. I got ahead a little bit. It says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is in the darkness darkens counsel by word without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what? To, to what were its foundations fastened? And who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, all the sons of God shouted for joy. He's like, if I was Job, I would have climbed under a, I, I would have found that whale and said, are you hungry again? Because honestly, in our God, and that was, it, a lot of people say, well, ooh, you got that's in a loving way. He he could have he could have done the Rick thing. But no, he was like he had to get him thinking. It's like, who are you to question me? Proverbs 8, 22 and 31 it says, The Lord possess, possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I have established from everlasting from the beginning. Before there was even an earth, that cut off big time. Oop, I lost two of those scriptures. I love when your printer does stuff like that. But what he's trying to say here, that from the beginning, God has had his hand on you. Just like the creation. God, God hasn't taken his hand off of this creation. Yes, he, he's, uh, unfortunately, man is jacking up a lot of stuff. Man is messing up a lot of stuff, but God is still, we're still in alignment with the sun and the rotation of everything. There's still the, the system of the exchange with making oxygen for each and every one of us. There's still the sun. We still rotate, and the sun still does come up and go down. We do have uh, climate change. It's called fall, winter, spring, and summer. There's things that happen. The perspective of Genesis 1 and 2, and the earth was formless and empty in darkness of the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the earth and the waters. It is important here to recall three things. One, Genesis' account of creation was recorded by Moses about 3,500 uh, 3, years ago and was intended to communicate to a lot of people. Why would people care about everything being created and how it was being created? Ancients through moderns believed that the creation event necessary, was necessary and described, and he described it, Moses did, in the simplest of forms. He didn't go into all the things. God could have revealed everything to Moses, and Moses could have wrote all that down. And people at that time, can you imagine if we would have said photosynthesis? Moses wrote down photosynthesis, and God created photosynthesis so you could breathe. Your respiratory system could function at its... People would have went, what is that? Yeah, I, you know, there's a lot of people today that's going to go, what is that? But still, he wrote it in the simplest of terms. And in the simplest of terms, we go back to what I was talking to in the beginning, it still confounds the wise. Because they try to make themselves so big and so 
grander and they try to elevate themselves to being so brilliant instead of just having a simple understanding because it all boils down to this. How are we supposed to come to God and to Scripture? We're supposed to have what kind of faith? Come on, Pastor. Childlike faith. And if people sit there and think themselves so haughty, even in the church world, and think everything's got to be, you know, broken down in a scholarly fashion. If you notice, I don't teach in a scholarly way. I teach where the rubber meets the road and we can talk. And it's how we're supposed to. Moses did the same thing when he wrote Genesis. When he wrote the, the story of creation. He explained it how people would simply understand it. Secondly, the apparent purpose of the account is to document various demonstrations of God's miraculous power. I'm just talking the first two verses of the whole Bible. And it demonstrated his power, his miraculous power. We call it miraculous, it's just God doing his thing. Just like miracles. We say miracles. No, it's just God doing his thing. Yes, it's a miracle in our eyes, but it's just God and us allowing God to do his thing. Amen. Number three, the point of view or frame of reference of Genesis creation account is established in Genesis 1 and 2 as the surface of the deep over the waters. In other words, the event of the creation and the beginning described from the perspective of the observer on the surface of the ocean which at that time covered the entire earth and below the cloud layer. You, we can get into a lot of study, and I love studying about the Genesis time before the flood and how the firmament, firmament surrounded the earth. There's a, there's, I don't know if he's still doing it, but there was this gentleman, a scientist, an agriculture guy in Japan that created a hothouse that duplicated what he felt the firmament was. Okay, this is a scientist going to a biblical standard, and he, the firmament, and just to let you understand, was basically when it rained and all the water fell, that was, we were a giant hothouse. We had this firmament of water that surrounded this earth, and he created this in a hothouse in Japan. The same conditions and everything, he, he developed theories on what the atmospheric condition would be within it and everything else and the, the sunlight and everything. And he started growing tomatoes. The last I heard when I heard this and I read about this, this was about 15 years ago, this, these tomato plants was, and if any of y'all ever grew tomato plants, you know, tomato plants don't last past July. Not unless you water them and keep them in shade every once in a while, especially here in Alabama. He was on like year 12 with these plants. And these plants and these tomatoes, they said were three, four, and five pounds. And they constantly were growing. It wasn't a mistake that the firmament and he all of a sudden needed to just change the whole world and flood it out because 
the reason was because man had gotten all jacked up, and he was like, I'm going to prove a point. And he, he took part of his creation and let it fall as rain. He had the earth in a perfect set to grow five-year tomatoes. <laughs> I could just imagine slicing a five-pound tomato. I'd have to have a low, I'd have to cut my, a whole just big thing of bread, cut it in half, put a big chunk on there, and I'd be eating on it for days. You know, yeah, mayo, salt, and pepper. That's all I need. But the whole thing, it was, you look at that, and God had it all planned out even then. You know, from that formless void and everything, that firmament was perfect. But then he had to start forming things. And we look at the earth today. I'm not talking, I mean, just look at it today in beautiful eyes. Think, picture these if you ever watch National Geographic Channel or the Smithsonian Channel's Fly Over Americas, and you, you like when they go over Yosemite and stuff like that, just look at that and go, my God did that. He took something that was formless and void, and he created the Tetons. He created the, uh, what's the ones in Colorado, the mountains, the range, the Rockies. He created all of that. All of that. And look at the beauty of it. The beauty of everything he has created. There's beauty in everything he's created. Amen. This was the first message of the Bible. The very first. Written by Moses. Of the greatness of our God. Plain and simple. Let's take all the science, the forming of the earth and everything. This is just saying, look how great our, and powerful our God is. Amen? Any questions? Now, we're going to finish next week. I'm going to try to finish all of Genesis out. I mean, not all of Genesis, all of Genesis 1. Pastor's like, go, brother. <laughs> all of Genesis 1, I will try to finish it next week, Okay. I can't say I'll be able to, but I'll try. If not, we will do it the next time, okay, and keep going from there. But Genesis 1 is, you know, I don't get this where people don't want to go in and read the Old Testament and study it, not just read it, study it. Genesis has a lot of teaching, a lot of teaching, a lot of foreshadowing, a lot of promises. It's all in Genesis. The very first book out of all the books. The very first one. Amen. Amen. I hope y'all enjoyed this tonight. I did. I mean, I like, I like just, I mean, I just get all in this and then he, him dropping that sun thing in me just made me even more happy. But that's kind of cool. We're supposed to be Revolving around the sun, just like we revolve around the sun. Amen. Y'all have a great, yes. I, he ain't got that on me yet. <laughs> he ain't led me to that one yet, but we, there is. And it's, it covered, like I said, there's so many promises to us. So many so much foreshadowing to what's coming. 
all in Genesis. But also there is some 